216 on Link to the Past Randomizer podcast. I'm your host, Fear Agent. Today on the show, we've got Cassidy Moen. I really enjoyed my time talking with Cassidy today, and uh, I hope you do too. Gonna go over a couple of things really quick. First of all, Mario Draft. A few of us drafted the Mario game series, and the results are in. We got the same amount of re- responses as we did for the Zelda draft. This time, though, we've got a clear cut winner, Allison ticket with almost 50% of the vote. I should have gone with my gut and avoided uh, Super Mario Sunshine. I got zero votes. Rightfully so. I think, uh, you know, Super Mario 3 is, was a great pick, but missing out on Super Mario Galaxy in retrospect was was a really bad pick by me. I got zero votes. <laughs> Understandably. Allison uh, with Super Mario World, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Bowser's Fury, and Paper Mario. Really, really strong lineup. Jesse and Kazen did, uh, did come in second and third with uh, Shereen and Jembro coming in after them. And then again, no votes for the old fear agent here. A lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that. I think we may do one more draft before the end of the season. Not 100% though. League's back. Had the kickoff match on Sunday that Claire Mouse and I called over on the main speed gaming channels. The Salt Miners, GGW and Telethar took on 2Infinity and Pagog, Relkin and Humbug. And Relkin and Humbug with the... I don't know if I want to call it an upset, but they, they took the win over the, the champs from last season. Really fun race. Go check that out. And we're in, we're into it. Monday, the league is open. Looking at the schedule for Monday, the 18th, three invitational races on the docket, all three of them being restreamed. Kicking things off will be Sahas Kids versus JKLOL. Then in the open, looks like seven races over on the uh, open side. So busy day. And that's the way it's going to be for the next seven weeks. Exciting times. League's always fun. And I'm a big fan of uh, watching all these races, especially the co-op week. Co-op week is is a lot of fun. My favorite week. Your most favorite rando team will be playing Wednesday at 9, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's September 20th. I think our second match will probably be on Sunday. Still waiting for Shireen to get his availability for the week. We'll be going up against Artie Walsh and Jamie Shirt. It's going to be a good one. A tough one. Really good team. I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another cheater in the community. That's really unfortunate. Had to ban another cheater. And it's just, just stop, please just stop cheating. Like if you're trying to get away with it because uh, you didn't know what Tark was going to be like and the council dissolved, just stop. If you did it before and you thought you'd get away with it, you can't. We'll find you. And it sucks for everyone. Just, I said this last week, it sucks for everyone. Just so, so stop cheating. Heading into the backstretch of the season here, season number four, ended up going pretty long, longer than I thought. But uh, today we've got Cassidy and then we've got Four more episodes to close out the season. So let's get to today's episode. Today on the show, we've got Cassidy Moan. You might have seen Cassidy around a lot lately on the dev side, especially since the changeover to FastROM, which happened a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the FastROM at all because I didn't know it was a thing. So we recorded the episode, and then almost a week after that is when the FastROM stuff became a little bit more public. And then the FastROM was just out. And you know, a lot of the controversy over the fast ROM was the way it was announced. I think Cassidy from the dev side did a pretty good job of apologizing and trying to understand the community's perspective on it all. I feel like they owned up to the fact that it was like coming and no one really knew about it. That was the real, the real blunder. Like I like fast ROM. I know there's people that are, are against it. It's the new norm. It's just the way it's going to be. The league is running on the old ROMs for the season, but that's it as far as the old ROMs goes. Some of the tournaments that are in its final stages are still using the old ROM, but Ladder's uh, using the new ROM now. 
And I imagine any other tournament that starts going forward will be using the fast ROM as well. The big blunder for the fast ROM was just the rollout. The rollout was really bad. And like I said, Cassidy did a really good job of like owning up to that. I just wish we could have talked about it. <laughs> the fact that it was coming and we didn't talk about it bums me out a little bit. But the rest of the V interview was a lot of fun. And, you know, we we talk some dev stuff. We talk some race stuff. We talk a lot of music. Cassidy's a little bit of a tougher nut to crack. I describe him as a lone wolf in the episode. And lone wolves tend to hold personal stuff to themselves. That's kind of what makes them lone wolves. But I think Cassidy does a great job in this interview. And I think we kind of, for the first time, get a chance to hear things from his perspective a bit more. And I, I really like that. I really like Cassidy. And I think you will too after this interview. So let's get to it. Here's Cassidy Moan. All right, Cassidy, thanks for coming on the show, man. Super excited to chat. And, uh, you know, we, we've known each other for quite a bit. You hang out in my streams. I know that we have a, a, a very similar relationship to music because of <laughs> all the times that we've been jamming in my stream uh, with all the all the stuff that you've brought. But uh, I don't really know you all that well. And I don't know if you kind of really put yourself out there in the community all that much other than be, uh, other than being a part of the community. Uh, so I'm super excited. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Big fan of the show. You have a, a different relationship with ALTTPR than some other people. Like you're not a commentator. I know you've done, I know you've done comms occasionally and you're not really a tracker and you play a little bit. I see you play a little bit, but you are more now, especially in the dev side of things, right? Like that, would you say is, is mostly your role? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I used to race a lot more like back in the day, like 2018 to 2019, maybe. But yeah, most of the time, like, you know, I still race in the ladder, but like most of my engagement with it, I would say, yeah, it's like doing development, mostly on the uh, like the ROM side of things. And uh, what, that, what does that mean? What do you mean by the ROM side of things? Like actually changing what happens to the ROM when when it gets patched over? Uh, so basically, like the the way the project is structured kind of is like, there's what we call like the template assembly uh, and assembly is like uh, basically machine code for the SNES. Right. So, mm. um, so there's like a lot of like ROM hacking basically that goes into making everything work and like appear seamless. Uh, so what we have is like the way it's like structured is we have like the base ROM, which is just kind of like this blank slate. Uh, and then that's all written in like assembly. Uh, and then the randomizer just writes data to it. It doesn't write any like Super Nintendo code or anything. All it does mm -hmm. is write like your items and your bosses and stuff. Okay. So yeah, so mostly what I'm doing is like, you know, fixing bugs like in the ROM or just like, you know, writing new features, stuff like that. Okay. We'll get to that more specifically. Let's go back to when you first played Link to the Past. Was it as a kid? Were you growing up playing Link to the Past and, and, and the Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. We had a Super Nintendo like as far back as I can remember. I think I, I was born like a little bit before it came out. But yeah, we had it as a kid. Uh, I remember like my family playing it. My older siblings, my dad would play on occasion. And like I was I'd be, you know, like three or four and they'd like help me out or you know be like oh can you help me can you like beat this boss do this dungeon or like where do i go you know that type of thing it was out before you were born is what you, what you just said right so you were pretty young then when you were first playing it yeah well no i was born like i was born uh, maybe a few years before the snes was released okay okay yeah. but so that was your first console that you can remember yeah yeah 
Uh, we also had like a, we had a computer in the house. It was like a, a, a Tandy something. I forget the model, but it was like one of those uh, DOS computers. Mm-hmm. And like it had like, you know, like 16 colors on the screen or whatever. And we had a couple games for that. Uh, the one I remember most was like the Black Cauldron. It was one of those like Sierra adventure games. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. So you grew up in a family that was already gaming then. It sounds like you were probably the youngest, right? Yep. Okay. So you had older siblings already playing games. Uh, how much of the Super Nintendo do you really remember? Or is it more like vague memories? Uh, I'd say I have pretty strong memories because... Okay. Yeah, I played it a lot. And then like as I became... As I got older, like I got an emulation and stuff and sure. playing it basically. Okay. Did it stick with Nintendo or did you guys uh, move on? Did you have other other consoles and other systems you were playing? Uh, I think my older brother got like a Nintendo 64. Then he traded that for a PlayStation or something mm. uh, somewhere along the line. Then like somewhere around 2001 or so, I think my parents got us a PS2. And that's basically it for consoles for me. Okay. Well, do you remember playing a lot of the PlayStation 2? Was was there a game or something that you played a lot of uh, on any of the systems you remember growing up? Um, not too much. Just a little bit of this and that. You know, I just like, I'd like rent games or whatever, you know. I'd occasionally buy one. Like, I bought Kingdom Hearts when it came out. I think mm. uh, Burnout. One of the Burnout games. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. I haven't played Burnout in a long time. That was That was a lot of fun, though. Yeah. So... What what were you doing? Because it doesn't sound like you were gaming a lot. Did you have other interests as you were growing up? Was music one of them? Yeah, yeah, I was into music. Uh, mostly just, you know, mostly just as a listener. And then, like, uh, when I was a teenager, like, some rapper I was into had, uh, like, a remix contest type thing. Um, and I got kind of into that. I didn't submit anything, but it was one of those things where it's, like, listening to other people's remixes of these songs I liked, you know, mm. and then I'm like, you know, whoa, how do they do that? So I kind of got into that, like into sampling and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't, I never really played an instrument. I kind of like learned like basic piano and just a little bit of music theory and whatnot. But so you, because, okay. So when I'd stream uh, in the past, I, I used to have like a, like, a YouTube request thing that is built into one of these bots. I don't even remember, but we, you know, we mm -hmm. play link to the past randomizer and then we have the, uh, the requ YouTube requests going and everyone would request like the normal popular stuff. But then you came in and you'd always come in with like some stuff that either I'd never heard of or like, again, remixes of stuff that was like really, really cool. So I, I take it, that is where the interest began and, and I guess continued. Yeah. 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 Like mostly I listened to the radio. I had a friend as a child who was like really into music and would always send me stuff. Uh, I got like kind of into like hip hop and stuff like that. Uh, like, uh, different labels and stuff like rhyme sayers. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think who's on them, but people might recognize that name, but it wasn't like top 40 stuff, right? It wasn't like the big, or, or were you into, into that as well? I guess your interest might have been diverse. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I was just kind of, I'm just kind of like whatever when it comes to that, you know, I just listen to whatever's on and if it's good, then check it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I'm trying to think back. So, so is this like, when you're talking about that, like remix stuff, 
when is this? Is this early 2000s? Yeah, yeah, probably around 2004, maybe. Okay, so the computer has obviously changed music drastically with with the way that you can do anything and everything with just a laptop now. Uh, but in 2004, you know, early 2000s, it wasn't as readily available. So what were you using to start learning how to remix? Uh, I can't remember. The first thing I used was just uh, some random uh, freeware like thing, like a, a tracker, I think it's called, where like, mm. you know, it has like the grid and then you can like, you know, set your tempo and you can like line up your your uh, samples and instruments and whatnot. Sure. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Then I got into like uh, Fruity Loops, I think. Yeah, and, like, that was the one I did all... too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had a uh, a pirated copy of Fru- Fruity Loops because uh, yeah. one, I there was poor. There was no way I could afford it, and everything was pirated back then. I, I don't know about it. Still, might be like I haven't used a torrent. I don't even know if that's still a thing or not. But in the days mm-hmm. of Napster and torrents and stuff, like you know, you're getting all, all your software free. Now I pay for it because I'm a responsible adult, I guess. But uh, man, Fruity Loops, man, I spent so much time one learning how to how to use it and then just creating like tons of like different tracks and stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 I pirated all that stuff, too. Like probably like, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars of worth. Of stuff <laughs> right. there, you know, like, yep. Yep. Totally. <laughs> kind of funny to think about now. But yeah, it, it is. Really fun. is. Yeah. Like, you know, you can, you know, they've got like all the little synths and stuff and all the little knobs and whatnot. And then like if you have a sample or something, you can kind of like, I haven't used it in a long time, but as I remember, you know, you can kind of like see the little waveform or whatever it looks like and try to like mm-hmm. line it up, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you were doing then just kind of getting into trying to remix. Were you making your own music or was it mostly sampling stuff and remixing stuff? And um, Yeah, mostly sampling. Sometimes I'd play with little like instrument presets and whatnot, but I really liked the idea of just like, you know, kind of just chopping up different stuff and then like, you know, sort of making like a, a pastiche or just trying to like, you know, like you hear something cool, you know, and it's just like a, a single bar or just like one little hit. And you're like, oh, you know, maybe that, you know, I could take that and just do whatever, you know. Right. It's like you've got a thousand different puzzles and you just dumped out all of the pieces together and it's like, oh, maybe this piece could go with this puzzle over here. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. so fun kind of putting them all together. Like, I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. And, you know, Paul's Boutique was one of the most influential and and biggest, like, albums that had so much sampling. Like De La Soul is another example mm-hmm. of a band that I'm, oh, I'm yeah. a big fan of who who took sampling and did un- really unique stuff with it, right? Like, you could always do what like Puff Daddy did, which is just take take a song and sample it and kind of try to slightly remake it. But I was always fascinated by, you know, like a lot of the stuff on Paul's Boutique where it's like just tiny little bits and pieces here mm-hmm. and there that are like all <laughs> woven together to make just some crazy cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a big fan of the Beastie Boys too. Yeah, like that's just hugely influential album. Like you probably couldn't even make it today without it costing a fortune, you know? Oh, yeah. Just- oh, yeah. Yeah. So what else were you listening to that was like influential to you? Uh, at the time, like I listened to a lot of RJD2, who's another producer. Okay. Uh, just a couple I can think of, like Mad Lib, uh, a guy named Blockhead who produced for a rapper named Aesop Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm trying to think there were, I listened to some like, you know, sort of like nineties, a little bit of nineties and eighties rap. Uh, so kind of like, you know, you got that like boom bap type sound. That's pretty mm-hmm. easy to imitate and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So did you ever want to pursue this? Um, I don't know what you do for work, but did you ever want to pursue this as like a, as a job or was it always just a hobby that something that you, uh, did for fun? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. When I was younger, it was one of those things like I kind of fell out of it. But like at the time I was like, you know, really into just like studying it and experimenting with it. Uh, uh, LP, I don't know if you've heard of him, another big producer, but he uh, he had a record label and like I wanted to start my own record label, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually when I was in high school, I actually did produce like a little CD that I just like burned, you know, 50 copies or whatever on my little CD burner we had. Um, I made some shirts too. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. It was, yeah, it was a nice little hustle. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't winning any awards or anything, but sure. yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, everyone starts somewhere, right? Like I was uh, all through high school and even in my early 20s, I was in rock bands just trying to make music because it was fun and never went anywhere. But I look back on this time and, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah. that I had access to like GarageBand. You know what I mean? Like you buy a Mac out of the book and you've got like GarageBand and it's got samplers and it's got drum machines. It's got everything. You know what I mean? Like everything to record plug and play basically. And I remember, and this is like, gosh, maybe 2000, 2001, we set up um, a Sony mini disc in the room with a mic to record, <laughs> just to record <laughs> us live because it was not easy to get it into a computer, uh, you know, back then, but yep. yeah, it was good times. Yeah. yeah. I think I had a little like a uh, karaoke mic. I don't know. It was like a little $5 thing from the thrift store or something. Uh, but it had a, you know, the little Jack that I could plug into my computer. And so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'd, you know, I'd plug it in and like, we'd like record a acoustic guitar or whatever, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's so it's so funny going back to the like analog stuff in the early digital days. Like we didn't have SoundCloud back then. So sharing your music was also pretty tough. You Like you said, you'd probably just burn it on CDs and try to to send them out or whatever. But so it feels like and you correct me if I'm wrong, but video games were never your main hobby. Is that fair to say? Or was there a point where they became more of a focus for you? Uh, they were, they were kind of a hobby or like they kind of have been like over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I think I played a lot more just cause like, uh, it was something to do, I guess. Uh, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, the video game kid in my family sort of, but, okay. um, I remember like my older brother's friends from the neighborhood would come over and like, they'd be playing mortal Kombat or Mario Kart, you know, and I'd always be bothering them to like, <laughs> let me get a turn in, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my one childhood friend, like he was really into video games. So, you know, I'd go over his house, we'd play whatever. Uh, he always had like, you know, a bunch of consoles and stuff. Uh, but I wouldn't say it probably wasn't like my main hobby. It was, it's just something like I've kind of been into. Sure. What about the development side? Because, you know, we'll get to that with, with Link to the Best Randomizer. But when did you get interested in the development side of, of video games? Um, I don't think I was ever really that interested in video game development in particular mm. uh, just one of those things like you know it'd be cool to make a game uh, i actually never really did any programming or knew anything about programming until i started playing the randomizer oh wow so 
Yeah, like it was kind of a coincidence because like around the time I started playing it, I was also I had this book. Uh, I think it was called Python Crash Course. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to learn Python, you know, and then like. So, yeah, that all kind of came together, like converged at that particular moment. That's interesting. So you were never you weren't coding growing up then or learning any sort of code as as you were coming up. There was no interest in like, uh, I want to make a video game that just sort of happened later. Yeah. I mean, I like when I was a kid, I think I learned how to do like some HTML and CSS, Mm, like little stuff like that. Uh, There was like this. My middle school had this C++ programming thing after school. But then like it went for two sessions and then it stopped. So. Besides that, yeah, I was never really into programming too much. Okay. You played video games as a kid, but not, it's not your focus. Like a lot of the people that I have on the show, it's like video games were their life. Uh, You know what I mean? Like they're playing them all the time. It sounds like you just kind of did it casually here and there to play with and hang out with your friends. That's fair to say? Uh, Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'd play by myself too. You know, I'd buy like a game here or there. And then just, you know, just chill like in the evening or whatever. But mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, probably. It doesn't even sound like you were like a big like Nintendo fanboy or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was never really into any like particular console or franchise or anything. I just kind of like if it was fun, I played it, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And you said you never went past the PlayStation 2 as far as consoles go? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I played like other ones, obviously, you know, just at a friend's house or whatever, uh, stuff like but that. You never but picked yeah. one up, right? You never, you, you never, you don't have a switch. You never went with like an Xbox 360 or got into any of right. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about it, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I, it feels like kind of a commitment, you know, like if I, if I buy <laughs> sure. this console, now I have to play a bunch of games. So <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> sound like something that you're looking to really spend your time doing. So I, I take it the, the retro stuff was, kind of always piqued your interest then so is that fair to say like you kind of always look back playing like emulators and stuff yeah yeah that's been pretty consistent like throughout the years like my one childhood friend i mentioned before he i remember him you know him being like you know hey like you can there's this thing called an emulator you know and a thing called a rom like i'm like you know holy shit like that sounds awesome i'm gonna try (laughs) that yeah (laughs) and then like later on i kind of got i got like a little bit into ROM hacks kind of, you know, one of those things like every now and then I'd play like, you know, it'd be like, you know, I wonder if there's any good ROM hacks for, you know, Zelda or Final Fantasy VI, something like that. I'd mm. give that a shot. Is there any good ROM hacks for Final Fantasy VI? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, I'm trying to remember. I can't think of any offhand. There's probably a couple that I, I played one just recently. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was kind of like uh the premise was basically like like a vanilla expanded type hack where it's sort of like the vanilla game, just more stuff. Mm. And then uh, I don't want to say what the actual gimmick was because it's a spoiler. and I know you're probably going to play it soon, but there was sort of a gimmick where like you get this one extra character who you didn't have in the original game. Uh, but it was okay. kind of, you know, it was just, you know, but yeah, other than that, I'm not really sure i can't even think there's one called brave new world i think but i don't know if it's good or not because like mm. all my friends who are into rpgs are like it either sucks or it's great you know so <laughs> sure <laughs> were you into the final fantasy stuff you know that i've i've started playing uh four almost done with it i just got to the moon um and i've had a blast you know getting into that were you, were you ever into the final fantasy stuff yeah yeah i was into it we had a. Uh, <clears throat> We had Final Fantasy 4 for our Super Nintendo. Uh, it was called 2. 
yeah in the u.s of course but uh so yeah we had that and then i i, I played it like before i could even really read or understand like what mm. was going on you know yeah so uh so you got your ass kicked a lot <laughs> yeah I, i'd always run away from battles and like <laughs> I, I knew because like my my brother's uh my brother's older friend would be like oh you know like if you run away from battles you lose money and i'm like well i don't want to fight random battles so you know but (laughs) but yeah we had that and then eventually i got old enough to like make my way through it and then at some point uh one of my sister sisters-in-law who like worked at a video store or something that went out of business gave me a copy of final fantasy 6 like in the box which was cool Mm, wow yeah that's cool i think that was like uh probably my favorite game like at the time maybe even still today because it was the first game where i was like the actual story, like the narrative and all that actually like really kind of impacted me like emotionally or I became really mm. invested in it, you know? Yeah. Man, I'm, like I'm excited to play it because everyone's talked about how, how good six is. Like I was hesitant to jump into it just because I've never played Final Fantasy. And you know how like when someone builds something up, it's hard for it to uh, reach the the height of the buildup. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, I'm jumped in. I jumped in into Final Fantasy four because that was what everyone recommended on the discord. And I'm glad they did because it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think the story is really interesting. I'm having fun with it, but everyone, it feels like everyone agrees that six is the best. So after like getting into four, now I'm like really, really looking forward to what six has. I am a little nervous (laughs) about it (laughs) living up to the expectations of uh, that everyone puts on it. But yeah. Yeah, a lot of it's probably nostalgia. I realized as I got older, like parts of it were kind of bad or flawed, but like in a way I couldn't really understand because I wasn't like an RPG head really, you know, but, Mm. but yeah, I think like in terms of like the actual story and like the set pieces and just all of that, it's really, really great. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to check it out. So when did you find Twitch in speedrunning? Was it through YouTube? Was it through something else? Where did you ever have an interest in speedrunning yourself? Uh, I didn't. I never really had an interest in speedrunning. Uh, it was kind of one of those things like I feel like sometime in like the early 2010s, maybe or like late 2000s, there'd be like one of those odd articles where it'd be like, uh, you know, someone just be Super Mario Bros in five minutes or something. And you're like, whoa, you know how they do that? You know, mm-hmm. it was like a, its own genre sort of. Uh, but I never really got into it until like the later 2010s. Um, I forget why exactly, but I was just like, you know, I'm going to look up a speed run of Final Fantasy VI. Mm, and so I okay. saw like, uh, I saw a GDQ run by Puexel and Essentia. It was like a co-op 100% run or something. And it, it was like eight hours long, but I still, I watched the whole thing like in a, a bunch of sittings. And so... I was like, oh, you know, this is pretty neat. And it looks like they're doing it for this marathon thing, you know? So I sort of became aware of it or got into it a little bit that way. Uh, As far as Twitch, yeah. As as far as like Twitch, uh, I just, I think I just had a friend recommend it to me like, oh, you know, you should check this out. And so, you know, I looked at it and then basically one of the first things I did was like, you know, what's a game that I'm familiar with that I might actually want to, you know, watch someone play. And it was a link to the past. And then... Uh, that's how I found the randomizer, basically. Okay, so was that after you saw the GDQ stuff? Yeah, yeah, that that had to be shortly after, like around the same time. Okay, that eight-hour run is—is is that really the speed run for Final Fantasy VI? Yeah, it's 
It might be a little bit. I might be overselling. It might be like seven or like six and a half. But I mean, it's that's a long ass time. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's shorter now. But it's still. I mean, it's it's pretty long. RPG runs tend to be like quite a bit longer. Sure. Usually. Right. <laughs> that, that's pretty bananas, though. Uh, I never thought about looking into the speed runs like, again because it's so brand new for me now. The final of the early Final Fantasy stuff, but damn, that's. It's a long ass time. Okay, so do you remember who you first saw when you uh, turned into to Link to the Past? Yeah, there was a streamer. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce their name. It's like Zhao Mei Lin, I think. Okay. Um, and they're, I think they're sort of like around. They don't really race or anything. I, I haven't like seen them around, but I know they play like Zelda One, maybe, and SMZ Three nowadays. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I just saw that, you know, and it was just kind of uh, basically what it said in the tin. You know, it's like, oh, hey, game's randomized, you know. Mm-hmm. What was your your initial impressions of of the randomizer? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I liked it because. Yeah, because you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just remember being like at first it just seemed like this neat thing because uh, I'd play I'd like replay a link to the past you know maybe once every two or three years I'd just sit down and be like you know I'll play this and I think this was around the time like a little bit after I had done that maybe and so I'm like okay you know I'll try this out you know it looks like a nice little puzzle uh, and so you know I'd play a seed and a few sittings usually I never I didn't even know people raced it at the time it like never even occurred to me mm-hmm. Uh but I mean, you know how it is. Like you do one, then I'm like, okay, it's randomizer. So if I do another one, it's different. So I'll give that a try. And then like, uh, it just it kind of became one of those things where like I just start one maybe a few times a week, and then I just never stopped. I guess. And yeah. here I am. <laughs> yep. So, so you tra- so you trying it out. What what about the racing scene? When do you start getting into? Uh, racing it for yourself or even watching races? Uh, I think I might have discovered racing. Like, I think I saw that streamer doing like a casual race in voice chat. And uh, that was the first time, like, you know, I ever saw racing in general. But then, like, uh, just looking through the Twitch category one day, I think I found a speed gaming race. Uh, and that probably led me to the 2017 fall tournament, which I started um, one, like religiously. Okay. Yeah. With that tournament, were you just on the sidelines or did you volunteer or did you even like look into the community or was it just, I'm I'm just going to watch it? Um, I mostly just watched it. I don't think I was on discord or I wasn't super active. Like I had no idea, you know, where, you know, any community hubs or anything like that were. Uh, and so, I mean, I just like, I'd, you know, I'd look at the speed gaming schedule I'd look at the brackets, you know, I'd be like, it kind of became one of those things where I sort of like, you know, try to plan it out or like catch a race whenever I can, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then somehow, I don't remember, eventually I joined discord and maybe I joined the server, but I wasn't that active. And then like, I think I only kind of got involved with the community around like the spring 2018 tournament. Did you get involved by racing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that's when I started racing. Yeah. Like maybe a couple months before that. So Tell me, because I, I don't see you race a lot. I, I've seen you race, just not a lot. What was your what's your relationship with racing uh, when you first started and then how it's evolved to where it is now? I think at first it was like a little more casual. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, you know, playing the game more. And then like as I was watching the tournament, uh, you know, kind of picking up stuff from that and like thinking about, you know, how they were playing and 
what they were doing and all that. Uh, but then like, I kind of, I feel like I kind of became sort of competitive eventually. Mm. Um, but then like, I don't know how to explain it. I think I just don't have that sort of sense of urgency or like whatever Grind. it is that makes you, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. It makes you want to like win the tournament, I guess. <laughs> uh, sure. it, like it's, it's really fun. I think to like, you know, theorize about the game and even to practice, like to review, you know, your VODs, other people's VODs and like drill rooms and all that stuff. But then like, it's just that one thing, like when you're in the race, you know, and you just want to, I don't know. I just don't have it, I guess. So yeah, I kind of fell off. Yeah. It's the competitive like nature, right? Like you just don't have the desire, like you don't have to win, right? Like, is that what it is? Like, there's no, like, there's nothing burning inside of you of like, I, I gotta win. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd say that. Yeah. It's not that about. you don't want to, it's not like you're trying to lose, but if you lose, it's also not that big of a deal. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Okay. So were you, when you were growing up, did you have any, any thing that was competitive? Like, did you play sports or even when you're playing video games with, with your friends, was there a sense of, of competition or was it always just pretty casual? Uh, for the most part with me and my friends, I think it was pretty casual. Uh, as far as sports, I played like I played some football. I think when I was in junior high, I did like football, wrestling and track. Oh, OK. Uh, so I was I was kind of competitive at wrestling, but I went to like a really like a much smaller, like, you know, D3, D4 school or whatever. So it. Uh, I think I got like third in our conference or something, but it was really, you know, <laughs> light on competition, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the time, okay. it's like, you know, I, I was into it. I did have that sort of drive, but it just uh, in hindsight, it was kind of like, you know, not that big of a deal. Right. It wasn't like you were competing at the top tier of, of the level that you're you're competing at. So it didn't matter as much, I guess. I don't know. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah, like now, now, like looking back, I don't really care. But at the time I was, you know, really into it or I, I would take a loss kind of hard. Like I was a little mm. competitive, but it wasn't, uh, I don't know. It wasn't, still wasn't a huge deal for me, I guess. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. It's just, I, it is kind of what our, what our nature is, right? Like some of us have that competitive drive that pushes us. Uh, some have it to a fault <laughs> some, and then some people don't have it at all. Uh, and you know, it's just kind of who, what makes us who we are, I guess. Yeah. So you start racing. Um, how do you do in, in some of the tournaments? Uh, I think the the first one, the spring 2018, uh, I did not make it to brackets. I think my record was three and four. I want to say. That's the big uh, five twelve, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, I think the farthest I've ever made it in like a, a main tournament is groups. Um, but I never really, I'm trying to remember, like I've gotten a couple wins in like a group stage and that's it basically. Mm, okay. So you've qualified. You just haven't made it past the, the group stage is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Okay. Were you okay with that? Were you like satisfied with your placement in the tournaments? Uh, Overall, you know, it's disappointing, you know, like we were just talking about, but I, you know, <laughs> you weren't losing sleep basically. Right. <laughs> okay. So as time progresses uh, in the LTTPR community, do you find like a group of people to, I don't know, befriend or, cause it feels like to me, you're kind of like a lone wolf. Like you're, you kind of like to pop in here or there, but you're not like in one of the, 
in one of the groups. <laughs> is, is that fair to say? Like, oh, it's, yeah, it feels yeah. like you're kind of all over the place, but you're not really like, you're not, in, I don't think you're in 40 bonks and you're not like with pod champ and you know what I mean? Like there's all these different, like, I guess, clicks mm -hmm. within the community, but it feels like you're kind of a loner and not in the, <laughs> that sounds so, that sounds so bad, but I'm not meaning it, meaning it in a bad way. Just a lone wolf. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like I'm, I'm kind of here and there. I like to, I like to come and go talk a little shit type of thing and then yeah that's exactly what it is you come in you yeah, talk a little shit and then you pop out and then you pop in here and there yeah. i think that's kind of your relationship and that's I, I take it that's what you enjoy like you're not here to like be friends with with everyone is that i'm making you sound like an asshole that's not, that's not what i'm trying to do oh no you're, yeah no you're, you're right like i mean i think i kind of i mean i hang out with people like i'm in the 40 bonk server and okay. i think uh there's a couple I'm, I'm like in some random servers and i'll like you know hang out and chat and maybe play some among us or some jackbox or whatever whatever you know like mm -hmm. but yeah uh most like most of the people i hang out with sort of adjacent are like uh rpg speedrunners. just mm -hmm. kind of by coincidence i guess okay that makes sense. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. I don't know. I, I never really like kind of like you said, I was I was never really like looking for friends, I guess, or I never fell into a groove. But if it happened, it happened. So sure. That type of thing. Yeah. I I mean, like, I feel like you you pop in on my I don't even I don't know what group I'm the 216 group. I don't know. But it was before 216. <laughs> it feels like you would hang out in, in my stream a lot when we were, you know, doing a lot of the music stuff and I think you might have even played some Jackbox and stuff with us. So I don't even know what, what my group would be considered, but it feels <laughs> like uh, you were definitely friendly with, with the people over there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I used to hang out in that uh, casual rando discord, I think. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. A bunch of folks were in there, but yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I did. I just, you know, hung out in your stream, hang out in random streams and then bounce basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's cool. It's who you are. Uh, so when does the, the idea even of helping out with development begin? Like you, you mentioned that Python book was the idea, like maybe I can help out with, with Rando or was there something else that made you want to learn Python? Uh, I think it was just kind of a general interest and I just kind of happened to like get the book at the same time I was playing. Mm. Uh, but in terms of like a link to the past, <clears throat> I think what really made me get into it was uh, when they came out with inverted mode. Yeah. And uh, there was like a lot of hype around it at the time. And, you know, it was just one of those things where it's like, whoa, you know, like, I wonder how they make it do that, you know, like that type of thing. Uh, and so I started looking into like uh, the source code and trying to build it myself. Like this was around the same time they made the their like main repo private because uh, like the main randomizer has a public and a private repo. Oh, uh, and so for some reason, I don't know, I guess people were annoying them, like making like building the randomizer when it was broken and reporting bugs and stuff. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I did that. And then I was like, you know, kind of struggling trying to get that going. And then I realized uh, so inverted mode, like originally uh, you couldn't play that with the entrance randomizer. Mm -hmm. And so basically the entrance randomizer is like a separate randomizer written in Python. So then I was kind of like, okay, maybe I can uh, like, you know, kind of try to bring these two things together, I guess. So you're the one we blame for inverted cross keys. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So did you have to work with like trying to figure out the logic and and get that kind of stuff or what what was it that you're that you're figuring out? Uh yeah. Yeah, so basically I had to like do the logic. So like, you know, the randomizer has like a whole like model of the world and where everything is and all that. Uh so you have to do that part and then you have to figure out like uh how to make like writes to the ROM, like you have to write these bytes and those bytes for whatever, you know, just to change stuff. So, so it was uh, a lot of experimenting then. Yeah. Yeah. Basically uh, I wasn't really super, I'd written like a couple little like toy programs and stuff, but I wasn't even that experienced in Python. So I was just kind of like uh, trying to copy what they did for the regular mode and then mm. kind of just change that, you know, I see. But it, it, so it happens, right? Like you create what's needed for inverted cross keys. I remember when that happened. Do you then get invited to be a part of the dev team for, for the main branch? Uh, not at that point. Uh, basically, I actually had some trouble like getting a hold of the dev team because like I have no idea what they're doing uh, at that time. And mm. it was just kind of like, you know, I'm going to try this. Maybe they're doing it. Maybe they're not. And like at the time I had the impression that the dev team like does a lot more than, and this is, I'm not trying to like, you know, throw, throw shade. shade or anything, Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, and this applies just as much to me today, but like, I thought, you know, they were like, you know, they might be making their own thing or this or that, but like long story short, nobody was doing it. Uh, I had it. And then like one day, uh, I think I was watching a VTorp stream or something. And he made some offhand comment about, you know, maybe we'll have inverted for entrance. And I'm like, hey, I have inverted for entrance. <laughs> and, you know, and he was like, OK, talk to this other guy. Um, but I wasn't invited on just yet. There's sort of like uh, there's a handful of like contributors who are like, you know, kind of do this or that, but aren't necessarily like in the dev channel. Right. And so that was kind of where I was at. OK, so when you finished uh, the inverted entrance inverted cross keys did you feel like you had a, a pretty good grasp on what you were doing like you felt like how long did it take for you to to put it all together um i'd say probably a few months uh, i can't say like exactly how many hours i put in but like uh it, it took a long time because it was like you know you have to like shuffle all the entrances and then like if one entrance is wrong you get this error and then you gotta like you know figure all that out but mm -hmm. uh i'd say like from start to finish maybe like three or four months, maybe. Okay. Were you feeling more comfortable then as uh, someone working in, in the coding and the de de development of the game? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, I was still pretty inexperienced. Like it was pretty bad initially, just like in terms of bugs or like mm. little weird things. But uh, so yeah, even after I like, you know, got it merged in, I still had to like, you know, fix a bunch of stuff or someone else had to fix it, that type of thing. Uh, so at the time, Kind of, but not necessarily. Sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say that you came to me with an idea of a an actual like ROM hack of ALTTPR. Is that right? Or am I misremembering something? Yeah, were you yeah. Thinking about, were you thinking about doing a, a ROM hack? Yeah. Yeah, I made like a little, a little like ROM hack based on the, the randomizer base ROM basically. And then uh, I think I sent you like a advanced copy sort of. For feedback right yeah i don't know I have, if you remember playing it i have real vague memories of it i think uh the only thing i remember was you told me like 
the flute was in uh, the Turtle Rock, like one of those uh, chests behind the torch. So you hovered to it, something like that, maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of took like a lot of my knowledge from uh, working on the entrance randomizer and kind of, uh, you know, just sort of applied it to that. Tried to make like some custom stuff too. What happened with it? Did it just not go anywhere? Did you not finish it? Uh, I finished it and a few people played it. I said it was okay. okay. Like that was basically it. It wasn't anything super great. Uh, it had a gimmick actually. I think the gimmick was like uh, you could use the mirror uh, all the time basically just to go uh, either okay. Oh, okay. Do you have any desire to make a full like Link to the Past randomizer ROM hack? Uh, maybe. Uh, I think it kind of depends on like, um, I don't know. You need a really good premise, I think, to make like a, you know, you need something that like sets it apart. Kind of like, I think like Key Sanity started out as a little like Lando ROM hack type thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, you really need, you need a good hook, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. So I'd have to think of something like that. Okay. So what, what then gets you onto the dev team time? Is uh, it just time? Um, partially, I think like I had a decent track record. Uh, I had a sort of relationship with Synac. Like we were pretty friendly. We were on good terms. Uh, I think the thing that got me onto it though, was like when I started getting into SNES programming, uh, I wrote this little feature. I wrote the reduced flashing feature actually. That's on oh. the website. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that was just, I was learning it and it was like, uh, not quite trivial, you know, cause it has to be like, and I don't know if it technically is, but it technically has to be like the equal amount of cycles, whether you have the reduced flashing on or flashing, uh, I'm pretty sure like I profiled it and tested it and all that. But anyway, like I think that doing that and then like getting that type of thing, like on the front page, plus kind of having being sort of consistent and like fixing my own bugs and stuff like that. Uh, eventually, Synac just messaged me and he's like, hey, uh, you know, do you want the dev role? And I'm, and I'm like, OK, you know, why not? <laughs> you threw a big party. <laughs> so what is your role now as a dev? Like, what do you see as your responsibility? What are things that you're working on? Is version 32 ever coming? <laughs> I was hoping you were going to ask that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's it's hard to say, like, we don't necessarily have uh, super well-defined roles, I'd say, like sort of, you know, uh, VTorp and Synac and Cat kind of run things. Um, so I'll like, you know, I'll fix stuff with the entrance randomizer and the, the main item randomizer. Uh, but mostly I just like, I spend a lot of time working on the ROM. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Like a lot of stuff I do is sort of housekeeping or just like improving the source code. Uh, a lot of boring details there. Mm. I implement some, I fix like little things like, um, you know, that little, uh, you know, the little key, key sanity tracker on the bottom of the menu. Like if you press select, it shows yeah. the, yeah, I fixed that. Like, forget what was wrong with it. Oh, it didn't like, so if you open the menu and you press select, it doesn't show that it just closes. If you're, mm. if you don't have any items, you know, little, just like a bunch of little things like that, that like, you know, nobody cares about. Um, I did, uh, I recently, I wrote a thing that's like, uh, that lets you like shuffle the crystals from the dungeon prize locations and put them in chests and vice versa with oh. the items. Okay. Uh, so did yeah, you help just with like the Ganon, the, the new like Ganon hunt stuff. Were you, were you a part of that? Uh, I think Synec did most of that. Um, I think like most of that capability was already in the ROM. So Synec oh, okay. just had to like write the, 
you know, the PHP code and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I see. So what would you like to see happen with the ROM going forward or with the, with ALTTPR going forward from, from a dev perspective? Like I know that the, uh, there's the door branch, right? And then there's the entrance Mm -hmm. branch, which is separate. Do you want to see that stuff unified or what, what do you want to do as a dev? Like what, what do you see? Uh, or what are some of the things you'd like to see in the future? Uh, yeah, I think like for me, I'd like to see things kind of unified. Um, so uh, basically, you know, like you said, we have the door rando branch and we have Enemizer, which is like this whole separate program type thing. Um, I think what I would like to see, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with it, but I think um, I think what we could do is like unify all of that uh like unify all of that and we need to make the generation faster and like more capable mm-hmm. um, because like, so right now uh, the, the, the door rando and the entrance randomizer are kind of slow and like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but like, I'd like to basically allow like developers and like sort of third party tinkers, like more tools and stuff like, um, to help speed stuff up. Yeah. Uh, Basically, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to explain, like if you're not sort of a developer, I guess. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, like, uh, it needs to be faster. Basically, is the long and short yeah. of it. But I think okay. uh, what we, what we can do is like sort of re rewrite the whole thing as like a library, and then like uh, that can basically be like shipped out to whoever like uh, trackers or like the door rando client, and then. Uh, we can sort of unify things that way. Like trackers could, mm-hmm. for example, like right now a tracker has to rewrite the game's whole logic in order to show you on the map, like where you can reach, where you can't reach. Uh, but one thing we could actually do is like, we can just publish, you know, one thing, like one package or whatever uh, that just has a function that says like, uh, you know, give me all the items you have and I'll give you all the places you can reach. If that makes okay. sense. Sure. How do we prevent people from cheating with that, though? Like if, if there's too much information or is it already there and uh, you just got to hope that there's no tools that can parse it? Uh, so so for what I mean, it's like basically exactly what trackers would do now. Right. I see. I see. Uh, this this is just like in terms of like so you have like the abstract world model, right? Uh, sort of separate from the ROM, and like where items are and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can have like. So the randomizer already kind of does this, right? It has this, when it's figure out like how to place items, it has a thing that says like, you know, here's the items I can have, or here's the items I do have, here's the places I can reach. Um, But then that exact same thing can be used for like auto tracking or like the map tracking that works now. Uh, Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, I get what you're saying. In terms of cheating, like, so in terms of cheating, like it's just, you know, the same, same as we do now, basically. I see, I see. Are you working on version 32 or is that something that, the only like VTorp and, and CAT are work and Synac are working on? Uh, not really. I'm actually kind of working on my own like little side project. Um, but version 32 is mostly VTorp's thing. He, I think the reason it's taking so long is because like it involves describing the whole game uh, in plain text, basically. So it's format called YAML, which you'll be familiar with. Like, if you've ever looked at a Sahabat preset or whatever. Mm-hmm. So basically like uh, the idea is um, you have this plain text sort of description that anyone can edit 
and then instead of like having all this stuff hard coded like you know in php or python like it's a lot harder to read and harder for like any random person to edit like you know you just have it in this plain text format and then your code you know just takes that text and does whatever with it mm, okay so it's going to be very different basically is what you're saying it's uh in a way like if you're if you want to like tinker with it and you want to like you know play be, with it's already there sort of, yeah yeah but it's, in terms of like what the player experiences it should be about the same sure uh, it will let us do some other stuff like uh, uh i think they're working on like some new animizer stuff that'll be a little more uh convenient mm-hmm. and let us do more stuff like you know place more enemies here there uh, it'll also let us do stuff like, uh, just for an example, I don't think there's any plans for this, but you could have like a different starting location for Link. Um, mm. Because like, you know, the way the the way the item randomizer is programmed right now, like all the logic just assumes you start, you know, at these three places, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. What's your project? Do you want to share that at all? Or is that something you're keeping close to the best for now uh i've talked about it a little bit i'm i'm, I'm a little hesitant just because like it's kind of like v32 like two because <laughs> sure <laughs> i can just talk about it and then never show it and then you know <laughs> sure. um, but yeah i've basically just been trying to rewrite the whole thing like kind of like i mentioned before rewrite the whole randomizer like as a library uh and hopefully write it like pretty fast uh try to give uh uh, try to make the logic and all that like more data driven and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I want to do is like, I'd like to make the logic sort of uh, what's called like a domain specific language, which means that uh, it's not exactly like a program programming language, but it's like something um, like it kind of is a programming language, but just like a small one that's like simple and easy to understand. So like, for example, uh, you have some logic for like, say a hammer peg and then you have this edge right in a graph and so the requirement just says like you know has hammer or something um but then what you can do is like if you have it written as this language that's sort of like compiled to like actual code that runs yeah. the logic engine mm-hmm. uh, you can actually like swap those out right so like you could have the logic be uh basically completely modular right and nobody would have to write any actual like you know code or anything Wow. All right. So this is coming out uh, next month. <laughs> uh, I'd give it, you know, a couple of years. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you do the dev thing, you race here and there on the ladder. How do you, what do you feel your relationship is with, with Rando overall? Are you happy with, with where it is? Do you like your role as like a dev, as someone who races occasionally, like you're not, are you still entering tournaments? Um, not really. I think I did. I did like one qualifier for the last main tournament. Okay. So I'm not really too keen on that too much anymore. Uh, I'd say like, I'd say I'm pretty satisfied. You know, I'd like to be the, the thing with like the dev work is like, there's always like always more shit to do and there's mm-hmm. just, you know, so much shit to do, but, uh, yeah. and you always wish, you know, you always wish it was done a little faster, a little earlier, that type of thing. <laughs> sure. Um, it is all will, volunteer work though, right? Like, I mean, you are volunteering your time. You're not getting paid to do this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I'd like to race a little more, uh, lately I've been working on like a recent or, uh, a soon to be coming out, hopefully update. Um, so that's been taking up a lot of my time, but mm. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to race on the ladder a little bit more. Maybe, you know, I always think, you know, it's one of those things like I always think, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll actually like make a run at a ladder title or something like that. But then uh, I think, you know, like I said, the lack of drive just kind of, you know, just run out of steam. <laughs> sure. After a I little mean, bit. Yeah, the seasons are long, too. Like, you got to keep it going. Yeah. All right. Have you done any mod work or like admin work for tournaments? Have you wanted to run a tournament? I think you're a, a, mo- a league mod, right? Uh, yeah, mostly just the league, I want to say. Uh, I actually I completely forgot to mention that, but yeah. I think I've been a mod since season two. Uh, I've actually, I, I realized like a little while back, I think I've technically been like on the league team longer than you have, which is funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you've been there since, you've been a mod since season two, right? So, and you've been there since. So, yeah. I mean, I, I was gone all season five and now we're starting season six. So, yeah. But how, yeah did I mean, I just, how did that even happen? How did you become a mod for a league? I must, I must have done it, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You recruited me. I think you just, you know, you saw the potential. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never really wanted to run a tournament. I think like my role as a league mod is just like, I just try to make things a little easier for everyone else. Ideally, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't want too much responsibility. I just want to like kind of help things uh, sort of move along, I guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And that's, I think, why you've been a good league mod for as long as you have, right? Because we got rid of some people like after season two and three, not because I mm-hmm. didn't like them, but because they didn't do anything and we needed people that actually did stuff. So and did you, have you played in the league? Uh, no, I never really. I've, I've thought about it, but I just never it was one of those things. I just never joined a team. So that's <laughs> what I thought. All right. Uh, maybe maybe season six, you're going to get some guys together for season six. Uh, probably not. You know, it's getting a little late for that, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, tilt question, which is going to be, I mean, based off the conversation that we just had for the last hour, it's going to be a little interesting because it doesn't feel like, like, how do you get tilted if, if losing doesn't bother you? But uh, so the question is, this: how do you handle tilt, whether it's in the middle of a seed or uh, at the end of a race? Uh, so yeah, in the middle of a seed for me, it's one of those things where like, I just try to go. I just try to like take stock of my options and like, like say, you know, you have a bad death to Malthiela or something. You just kind of walk away from it, you know, and like do something else. Uh, try to, you know, if you have something else. Sure. Um, or like, for example, like, you know, sometimes you have that situation where like you have a really annoying like last location chain and it's just like, well, that's what the game is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as afterwards, I don't know. I just kind of, I think I'm pretty decent at just kind of, you know, I mean, I felt disappointed or like annoyed and all that. Like, I think I'm pretty good at just kind of walking away from it though. And just like, yeah. you know, all you can do is, all you can do is run your race really. And then when it's over, it's over. So. Yeah. It's a pretty good way to, uh, to go about racing because it doesn't ruin your day. Like <laughs> too many times have I raced and then it's just ruined my day and possibly my week, but yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. So you're good with the future of, of where Rando is, right? You feel like things are in a good spot with Tark and with the, you know, the now dead council and the dev team and where everything is going with all the different branches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't worry too much about it. I, I try not to worry too much about it, I guess. Uh, but I mean, I think, you know, things are always a little up in the air, but like for the moment, I think everything's kind of pressing ahead pretty steady. So 
just hoping it stays on track and I just, you know, try to do my little part. That's about it. <laughs> sure. I get it. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, send me some more tracks of stuff that I haven't heard because I, I always appreciate that. Like when we did the, uh, the 216 summer playlist, I was yeah. really hoping that you, uh, that you threw out your, your songs because oh, the yeah, songs yeah. that you gave, you gave are so good, man. I never heard, I never heard any of those. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to keep doing that, but yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a good time. And thanks to Cassidy for coming on. Really appreciated it. If you're looking for good music recommendations, Cassidy's definitely one to go to. He won't give you necessarily the top 40 hits, which is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for stuff that's outside of the top 40 that everyone else knows. And he'll give you some really cool stuff that you've never heard before, especially if you're into hip hop. So again, thanks to Cassidy for coming on the show. Really appreciated it. Next week, we've got Armalex. Armalex is pretty new to the community but has made himself known pretty quickly. He's playing in the open with the Crystal Roller Crew from last season, who went 8-1 and one in Season 5. So expect big stuff from them in Season 6. I did have a little bit of a tough time not fanboying a little too much about his magic stuff, because he is a Magic the Gathering Pro Tour champion. So I geek out a little bit, but such a great guy to talk to, and uh, I had a blast. So come back next week for Armalex. And like I mentioned, our, our final four episodes of season four, Murderer's Row coming up with Armalex, Will WC, great one, uh, James FNX, and Allison <laughs> will be our final guest, who's been on the show three times, but yet to be on the show proper. It's coming. He's going to close our season out. So thanks for listening. 216pod.com has links to the Discord. Join that. A lot of fun conversations are going on. That's where you can get links to vote for the drafts that we have in the future talking lots of sports with the football kicking off chatting about the episode place to be for sure subscribe wherever you get your podcast we're available everywhere if you could leave a review on apple Podcasts or spotify it helps the show out helps me out yeah that's gonna do it thanks again for listening really really appreciate it go watch some league come back next week thanks for listening